from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, our weekly trip down Michigan's musical memory lane with Rich Tupica. First, though, George Bernaro was the mayor of Lansing for 12 years, governing in his outspoken style that earned him the title of America's Angriest Mayor. In 2017, in his 12th year in the mayor's office, faced with a tough re-election campaign, Bernaro dropped out. For the first two years of successor Andy Shore's term, Bernaro kept mostly quiet, but he has become increasingly and publicly critical of Shore, particularly in matters involving race. Now, Virg Bernaro is on the verge of running for an unprecedented fourth term as mayor next year. City Pulse's managing editor, Kyle Kaminsky, sat down remotely with Bernaro for a 90-minute exclusive interview. Today, for most of our show, we offer you excerpts. Alrighty. So first, to our readers who will be listening to this interview later this week, hello and welcome. I'm Kyle Kaminsky, Managing Editor at City Pulse, here today with Virg Bernero, the 51st and perhaps the 53rd Mayor of Lansing. To set the scene here, we still don't know for sure whether Mayor Andy Shore is going to run for a second term in November. We do know that Councilwoman Patricia Spitzley intends to file to run. We've also heard for months now that Virg Bernero is strongly considering a return to the job, leading to a possible three-way race ahead of this primary. Mr. Mayor, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you. Good to chat, Kyle. Uh, let's start with the obvious. Are you running for mayor next year? Uh, I'm strongly leaning that way. Um, I'm hearing from a lot of community members uh, that want me to re-enter, and um, I'm sort of preparing for that uh, eventuality. Uh, I'm ex I'm concerned about where the city is headed, and uh, you know I think our challenges are great, but I think they're surpassed by our possibilities and our potential as a city. You know I have a proven track record, and I, I'll stand by it, uh, good and bad. I think it's mostly good, and I'm you know I gotta admit that I'm excited at the prospect of of coming back and and leading the city through uh, what what is what promises to be some very challenging times. Briefly, what have you been up to since you left office? I know you've been involved to some extent in consulting work for cannabis businesses. I believe you're also still the executive director of the Capital Area Manufacturing Council? Yep, that's correct. I uh, did some work in cannabis around the state. Um, and, you know, as you know, uh, really helped usher in the cannabis economy uh, in Lansing. And, you know, thank God we did that. And, and the city council uh, accepted and, and adopted the ordinance that we did. Uh, Lansing is on the cutting edge um, of the cannabis economy. I think that's one of the real bright spots, uh, both in Lansing and around the state. Um, and so uh, I, did, I did work in that field. I did some political consulting and, of course, uh, became executive director of the Capillary Manufacturing Council, which has uh, probably been the most exciting uh, and rewarding part of, of my uh, private sector work. Um, I've always loved manufacturing and been very proud of our manufacturing sector. Um, in the Lansing region, it's very strong. Uh, some of our greatest uh, companies here are in manufacturing and, and going strong, and they, they too have, have done well, even in the, uh, amidst the challenges of COVID. They've not only survived, but a number of them are thriving and, and leading the fight against the coronavirus. So, uh, you know, we have uh, Emergent Biosolutions is involved in that, uh, in the vaccine. 
and a number of our companies are involved in PPE, uh, providing PPE to those uh, first responders and people on the front lines. And Godspeed to those, uh, let me just say, Kyle, uh, who have battled COVID, who have lost a loved one. This, this battle is raging currently, and uh, our, our hearts and thoughts uh, and, and uh, work goes to support those frontline workers. Um, again, uh, the healthcare workers and, and our first responders who uh, cannot, you know, who are on the front lines and, and God, Godspeed to them. And we all need to have our, our support and thoughts with them. Circling back to the mayor's race, I mean, you've told me before that numerous people have asked you to give it another go. What I want to know is what draws your interest back to the job? I mean, walk me through what changed since February 2017 when you announced that you weren't interested in a fourth term. That's your words, uh, not interested. But, uh, you know, I had... Well, I guess, well, what are the words then? I, what was going through your mind in February 2017 yeah. at that point then? Well, as I said then... Uh, I had to invest in, in my family. Um, I had to, I had to reinvest, and um, at that time I had to prioritize my family, and I've done that, and I don't regret it. You know, I've celebrated 33 years of marriage with my wife Terry, um, and I've I'm a new grandpa. I have uh, a six-month-old and a six-week-old uh, grandchild. Uh, over the summer, I said goodbye to my father, Julio, uh, who passed at 95 years old. Um, so I don't regret the time that I've been able to spend and reinvest and, and really rebalance uh, my, my personal life. Um, those, that had to become a priority, that those things, my family had really taken a backseat um, to the political needs and the needs, uh, you know, of the city. And just as, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done um, in, the, in the city and in the public realm, uh, I'm also very proud of my family and what we've been able to, to uh, do and to build here. So uh, I reinvested and reprioritized and rebalanced. Uh, I feel very good now about where that is. And I see the city uh, is facing, I think the greatest challenges since the great recession. And I'm deeply concerned about the city and the people that I love, um, you know, from the city budget, I, I think there were troubling signs before COVID. I think now it's a pending disaster. Um, I'm deeply concerned about Lansing families that are at the low end of the economic ladder. Uh, I don't have to tell you food security is a growing problem, especially with schools closed and grocery prices rising. Uh, I don't think the answer is to divert charitable dollars to city departments, um, as the mayor has proposed, um, for the first time using uh, the, the charitable dollars that have been set aside uh, for the city to leverage and to work with, with nonprofits uh, to now uh, potentially have that, that money be drained to city departments, I think is a step in the wrong direction. Um, I see I see concerns and needs in public safety and policing. Violent crime and shootings are on the rise. Um, I think there's a, a need to build on the community policing ethic um, that that is longstanding in Lansing, um, and to improve training. Uh, that's come into clear light. Um, there's a need for absolute transparency in the police department, uh, as has been evidenced by the recent jail death. Uh, well, the death the we found out about it recently. It actually happened months ago in right. April. So, and I think we need a vision for the post-COVID economic recovery that is going to have to be bold. You know, I talked about uh, regionalism. I, I acted on it while I was there. We regionalized the zoo and the river trail uh, with help from our friends. And uh, I think now more than ever in the post-COVID, in the COVID and post-COVID e economy that's coming, we've got to end the go-it-alone mentality. Uh, it is time for one Lansing, Kyle, one Lansing. We sink or swim together. And when I say Lansing, I don't mean in the confines of the city. I'm talking about the region. 
uh, if we don't, if we're not successful in, in uh, convincing everybody that, that we're all uh, swimming in the same direction, we're all rowing in the same direction, um, then you know, I, I, I don't know that, uh, how well we're gonna survive in the post-COVID. And we have to figure out how Lansing figures in and our people figure in. Uh, and it's about jobs and, and so, so that regionalism is about our survival and our thriving uh, in the new economy. I do want to touch on some of these uh, specific issues uh, when the police department, COVID, regionalism, but I, I first want to address uh, a sense of verge fatigue, a uh, phrase that's been repeated to me a lot over the last couple of weeks. It's um, sort of uh, came up a lot during a speculative story I was writing on the race last month. Uh, many people have told me that Lansing residents, regardless of whether they loved or hated you at the end, were largely ready for a fresh mayoral administration when Andy Shore took office. Um, did you also get that sense? And do you think it remains today? I never got that sense. Look, there's a lot of bright spots and I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I think that Lansing has a bright future, but we have severe challenges and we're going to need bold leadership. And it's not gonna happen by just sitting around and waiting for something to happen. I think that's what I wanna hone in on is your definition of bold leadership. Because the way I understand it is, is many in Lansing, including so-called progressives have sort of bristled at your angry mayor style of governance. I mean, Lansing might've been moving in the right direction during your three terms, like you would be quick to mention on a lot of these issues, but to many, I know you were seen as perhaps too mouthy or too in your face. I guess the question here is, have you mellowed out since you left office or are you the, the same sort of leader that we remember? Well, what I was angry about on TV, on national TV, I was angry about uh, our auto workers in the auto industry uh, being left behind and people suggesting that we should just allow the auto industry to fade away. Um, and I turned that anger into uh, results. I turned it into hard work, which is what I do. Um, and as far as, you know, my, my style, my style, I was able to get things done. Have I mellowed? I'll leave that for you to determine. Um, of course, I think grandkids have that impact uh, effect on you, but, but, you know, the funny thing is that there's a stylistic, there's an image thing, uh, perception, and then there's reality. And the reality is uh, I worked very well with the regional leaders. I'll put my record up against, you know, the current mayor anytime. You know, I had less turnover in three terms than he's had in three years in terms of staff. So this, again, this fatigue, this angry mayor thing, they called me an angry mayor because I, I made a national splash to try to save the auto industry, and I make no apologies for it. So yeah, I'm a guy that gets results, that gets in, rolls up my sleeves. And I really think at a time like this, when we're going to have historic economic challenges, we're going to need that kind of leadership. Well, I guess I can understand the benefits of a, a take charge approach to governance, especially in Lansing, but I mean, you've taken it a step further, arguably. I mean, some have labeled you a bully. You called Brian Jeffries a pathetic piece of shit less than two months into office. You're Angry phone calls are sort of the stuff of legends at this point. Is that bullheaded approach sort of to government uh, something that we need here in another term? Uh, not everything is, is perfect. You know, things, there, there are, there are uh, pluses and minuses. You try to do what is right in the long run. Um, and, you know, I just read a thing about Harry Truman about how his approval rating was 22% when he left office. And yet now he's one of the most popular presidents. Uh, so I think that, that uh, both the decisions with Nia Wave and the decisions like at Grosbeck and that beautiful new driveway entrance to the, to the golf course uh, and the closing the two golf courses. I took a lot of heat for closing two golf courses, by the way. 
Um, but again, I think those will stand the test of time. They were unsustainable. We were losing money. Um, the city is not in a privileged position where we can just keep doing the same thing the same way and everything's going to work out fine. It's not going to be that way. We, we have a lot of challenges. And again, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I'm, I'm optimistic. I think we have tremendous uh, assets to be leveraged, um, but we've got to begin working together uh, and we have to be bold. Well, let's get to a couple specific issues, a couple that you mentioned earlier on. Um, start with some recent issues at the police department. And we've had a pretty violent arrest involving several officers on Baker Street. Three of those cops are still on paid leave while an investigation continues. We have a man who was choked to death in the lockup beneath City Hall. And like you said, a, a mayoral administration that won't sit down for an interview on the topic. Um, walk me through your thoughts on some of the happenings at LPD and proposed reforms on how to tackle those. Um, well, uh, obviously, Kyle, this is a crucial, crucial um, issue today and going forward. Um, and a, a lot, I mean, for a lot of people, um, there was a real awakening with, with the, the um, homicide of George Floyd um, and, and seeing the cavalier approach. I think it, it changed the national dialogue. Uh, again, it awakened a lot of people who did not realize um, the extent of just how bad it was for, for uh, people of color um, living, who often live in fear of, of uh, policing. There, there is a, a difference. There's a dichotomy out there in terms of how people view uh, policing. Um, I was aware of it because of my position, uh, because of 12 years of running the city and, and helping to run the police department with three different chiefs. Um, I built on Lansing's long tradition of community engagement and community policing during my 12 years. Uh, so I came to a, a, a pretty professional department where changes, some changes had been made and we continued to build on that. You know, I put body cameras on police officers um, together with Chief Yankowski. Uh, we agreed that that would uh, add uh, safety, that it would be good for both the police and the community um, for more accountability and more transparency. Community engagement, I can't say that enough, community, community, community engagement, diversity and recruitment, uh, constant training, and accountability. Uh, and that includes accountability at the local level over things like the jail and transparency. I would say accountability and transparency. And then, then some reform at the state level with, with regards to immunity, officer immunity and so on. Um, because sometimes it can be difficult to try to hold officers accountable because of state, the way the state law is written. Um, and then of course we need more investment in mental health from the state, education and family support um, to move upstream. But, but transparency is the key here. We, and, and we have to get the community and the police on the same page. The police can only be as effective if, if effective is the, if, if they're seen as an extension of the community. They are, if they're seen as an occupying force, then we're doomed to failure and disappointment. Last question on policing in Lansing. Uh, we have a, a mayor who authorized or was at the very least indifferent to tear gassing residents during a protest downtown uh, earlier this year. Curious if you would have done anything differently if you were in charge at the time. Well, the biggest difference is that I would have been downtown. I would have been there on the street um, with my police chief and with a number of community members. Uh, I would have organized a, a peace team, um, uh, but I definitely would have been there. And, and I mean, you can, it's easy to Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterback. However, you know, having been mayor for 12 years and, and been through some protests and things, um, I have a pretty good sense that, uh, uh, that I would have been down there. You know, I, I wasn't there so that I can't say 
how, you know, whether I would have authorized it or not, but it would have been my decision together with the chief and I would have been right there on the scene. Uh, you know, obviously we have a small downtown and, and any fire uh, down there, I mean, would be a disaster potentially. Um, and uh, I would have been down there to help prevent it. That's all I can say is I would have been, been there on the ground and um, certainly in something like that, uh, I would have made the decision. So you're not willing to say for sure that you wouldn't have fired tear gas canisters at the crowds that evening? That's correct. I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on. You know, my guess is I, uh, that it could have been avoided, but, you know, having not been there, I'm, I'm not going to allow the downtown to be torched. Sure. That's for sure. I mean, there was a, a car that was put on fire. I certainly wouldn't have allowed the buildings to be put on fire. Um, but again, I would have been down there. I, my idea is I would have had a peace team, people in vests, uh, and I would have tried to engage uh, in conversation. This sort of segues into a similar topic, another in which you've been vocal about, and that's several incidents of alleged racial discrimination within the mayor's administration and also specifically at the Lansing Fire Department. We have several former firefighters, including a chief that I believe you hired, an IT director that also started his career with the city under the Bernero administration, a scheduler that worked directly with Shore's team. What needs to happen right now to address this, and, and how would you work to resolve these issues? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I wince when you say that. I, it pains me greatly, the, the, the changes that have happened uh, with regard to diversity and inclusion. Um, I, I came to a city that uh, was well known and respected, um, I think, around the state um, as a diverse city, a welcoming city. Um, in, in every regard, you know, we, Lansing doesn't have the other side of the tracks. You know, we're, we're, we are a diverse, well, well integrated city where it's not, we, we don't have one section of town or, or you know, we're, we're, we're all together and, and uh, it's a beautiful community and it still is. And my cabinet uh, reflected the diversity that is Lansing. You know, I didn't have to have uh, somebody to come in and tell me, you know, what people of color were thinking because they were right here in my midst every day. Well, uh, among the other topics that have led to calls for Shore's resignation here, uh, this proposed adjustment to retiree health care benefits for some 1,300 city retirees. I know there's some lingering uncertainty and some real potential for this to possibly change before the end of the month. I don't think anything's set in stone yet, but. This is another issue that directly affects the lives of our city's most vulnerable residents. So what do you think needs to happen right now to address this issue? Look, th this is this is about working together, and and you know here here too, um, you know uh, this is a problem. The unfunded liabilities were a problem when I came in, and they're a problem today. I negotiated um, concessionary contracts. That means the union was giving the unions were giving things up. Those were, it was a difficult, each one was a difficult negotiation because you're asking workers to take less, but that's what we had to do. And so, you know, we lessened the burden, but that, but that is still there. You know, that's, it's a, it's a, that OPEB liability is real, but you want to try to affect retirees the least of all, you know, the changes that we made mostly were about new employees coming in and some with employees that are currently there. You want to try to preserve what has already been promised because retirees are on a fixed income and they made decisions based on the money that they're getting and, and the, the healthcare that they have. Uh, the, the answer is you gotta work together. You just, you, you work with the union. I mentioned the cuts that had been made in the past to uniform personnel while I was mayor. You know, we worked with the unions. 
when, when the bottom fell out during the Great Recession, Kyle, you know, we just took the numbers and sat down with the unions and said, Here's the, here, these are the numbers. You know, this is a math problem, not a, pol- not a political problem. And, and by the way, and we led by example, Kyle, you know, I mean, those were times when I cut my pay. I, I cut the pay of my top people. Uh, I got rid of the city car for the mayor. I mean, we made sacrifices. And so the unions could see that that's something that they can take back to their members and say, look at, you know, the mayor's actually cut his pay. I mean, yeah, he's asking us to give concessions. He's given concessions too. How do you strike a balance, I guess, uh, I mean, between making these cuts on the backs of retirees and making Lansing a less attractive place to work for new employees? Uh, how, how, what's the thought process in striking a balance there? I know you said working together and bringing everyone to the table, but well, at the end of the day, it sounds like it has to be one or the other because these unfunded liabilities aren't going anywhere in a hurry. Well, this is why... Kyle, when I when I'm taught when I talk about regionalism, you know, I'm not just whistling Dixie. I'm not just you know saying it. Like we we did some things when I was there. We regionalized the zoo, for example. You know, and when you talk about my my way or the highway approach, we regionalized the zoo. We regionalized the river trail. Okay, Virg Bernero didn't do that, but Virg Bernero led those calls to make it happen, and I helped bring people together to make it happen. And, and the regionalizing the zoo was one great thing. The zoo didn't leave. The zoo now has dedicated millage. It's there to stay. The river trail, I noticed it was falling into the water, that it was, and it's wildly expensive. There was money to build it, but there was no money to maintain it. I, the county was convinced to put it on the ballot. The people said yes. There's now dedicated over $4 million a year dedicated to the river trail, maintaining it and expanding it. That's a tremendous resource, but it was a resource that the city was paying for. The zoo, a tremendous thing, but the the city was paying for. Everybody was using it, but only the city was paying for it. That's not sustainable. So when these unsustainable things are not fixed, they they create problems in other areas, other parts of the budget. And and again, so what you call my bullheadedness, uh, I wasn't that bullheaded. I was bullheaded about, I knew we had to make a change, but I was able to convince the county and voters to go along with us, and we made those changes. Right. And so you can't bury your head in the sand and just hope that it gets better. We have to continue to regionalize and change. And you know, we may have to look at other things that we can migrate to the county. Well, let's address the pandemic for a minute outside of the city budget and the subsequent and frankly still ongoing damage to businesses. I'm wondering what would Mayor Bernero do to leverage support to keep the economy going? And how much of this is really out of the hands of the mayor at this point? Well, I think LEAP has done a, a, a phenomenal job um, at you know, taking those dollars, working cooperatively with uh, the state MEDC uh, and getting just-in-time help uh, for a number of our businesses. And my heart goes out to the mom and pops uh, that are really severely uh, struggling. Um, again, our, our, you know, I know from my work in manufacturing that our manufacturers, uh, most all of them are going strong, praise God, but the, but the mom and pops and the people that work for them and with them are, are, are hurting. Uh, I think Leap's been on the front lines and has done a tremendous job. Um, you know, I think our governor has done a phenomenal job. And again, uh, MEDC, she's trying to move dollars as much as she can um, from traditional programs into immediate emergency uh, assist. And so obviously we would work through Leap uh, to uh, avail ourselves of every available state and federal program, um, I think with the Biden administra- administration. But but again, that's months off. That there's hope. There's hope, and who knows? Maybe they'll be even out of this Congress, out of the lame duck, and this president. Maybe there will be another tranche uh, of help. I certainly hope so. 
because our businesses need it. In closing, I guess, I know you sat down with an interview with Mickey Hurton at the end of your last term and graded your overall performance as mayor as a B plus. Why do you think Lansing should ever consider rehiring a B plus mayor? Um, well, that's a good question. I like that. Uh, I think B plus is actually darn good uh, given the hand that I was dealt. Uh, we went through the Great Recession. We survived the bankruptcy of General, Mo uh, General Motors and its rebirth. Uh, you know, I went to bat for our, what was our leading industry, General Motors, um, organizing mayors from around the country and, and proudly uh, went to bat and helped win the battle for our hometown uh, company. And uh, that was, you know, probably my proudest uh, moment um, when I could be of service to the city. And that's really the issue. Um, the city I love and the people I love in Lansing. Uh, I'm not a perfect leader. I'm not a perfect man. Um, I'm a better man. Um, but I think I was a hell of a mayor and I led during tough times. And so, yeah, I gave myself that honest appraisal of B plus. I think it was a B plus effort. Um, I think we're going to need a B plus or A effort now. Um, and I think I'm up to it. Thanks, Kyle. And thanks to Cole Tunningly for producing this segment. You can see more of this interview in the current issue of City Pulse, available in hundreds of locations and online at www.lansingcitypulse.com. This is City Pulse on WDBM 88.9 FM here at Michigan State University. City Pulse recently moved its digital replica edition to a Thursday release, but if you sign up for our e-newsletter, the digital edition will be delivered to your email box on Wednesday morning. You can sign up at LansingCityPulse.com. Before we go, our musical columnist Rich Tupica will lead us down Michigan's musical memory lane as he does most weeks. Thanks for listening. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz.